break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back in The Punch-Out here, 3rd of February, 2022. Happy to be back with you here on the show. Plenty for you here on the show, as we always do. We're going to be talking about increased U.S. support for the war in Yemen. We're also going to be talking about at least one of the potential upcoming Supreme Court nominees. But before we get to either of those two very important stories, we want to talk about your wages and corporate profits. A new study has detailed how nearly $2 trillion in workers' wages ended up in the pockets of wealthy investors. And as clear an example as ever of how capitalism takes from the working class and gives to the rich. News magazine In These Times has examined 2017 data compiled by the Economic Policy Institute about how much money workers lost due to wage stagnation and compared that to corporate profits and dividends showing a close correlation between the two figures. The analysis notes the widely examined phenomenon of wages not keeping up with productivity growth, detailing that, quote, if wages had kept pace with productivity, then the median hourly wage in 2017 would have been $33.10. The actual median hourly wage in 2017 was $23.15, a gap of $9.95 per hour. And then in these times, went on to calculate what that would mean in dollar terms by comparing the median hourly wages to the median work week of 33.6 hours and found that in 2017, the average worker lost $17,385 because wages have not kept up with productivity. There are about 102 million non-supervisory and production workers in the United States. So overall, the analysis notes in 2017, workers lost $1.78 trillion to wages not keeping up with productivity. They then, of course, asked the obvious question, where did that money go, if not to workers? Well, spoiler alert, it went to rich people. Here's how. As corporate profits have increased since 2000, dividend payments have as well. A dividend is a payment you get for owning a stock, a bonus, essentially. Stocks that pay good dividends are more popular, so many corporations prioritize giving out dividends when profitable. Since the vast majority of stocks are held by a tiny handful of people, ultimately, it's a form of enriching those who are already rich. In 2017, corporations gave out $1.5 trillion in dividends. So out of the $1.78 trillion not given to workers in wages, $1.5 trillion of those corporate profits went to rich stockholders. And as in these times is noted, quote, for the 2017 tax year, aggregate data from the IRS shows that 83% of dividends went to filers with an adjusted gross income of more than $100,000, roughly the top 18% of filers. What's more, 37% of all dividend income went to the top 0.3% of filers. So nearly 40% of all dividend income went to less than 1% of all people in the country. And that top 0.3% of filers, by the way, is people who make more than $1 million. It really couldn't be more clear than that. 
80% of people earning wages in the U.S. are having nearly $2 trillion in money that should be theirs transferred to the top 20% and really a much, much smaller group of people at the very top, even less than 1%. South Carolina District Court Judge J. Michelle Childs has become one of the front runners to fill the Supreme Court seat soon to be vacated by retiring Justice Stephen Breyer. Childs has the enthusiastic support of the third-ranking House Democrat, Representative Jim Clyburn of South Carolina, and also South Carolina senior Senator Lindsey Graham, a very prominent Republican. The other prominent Republican senator from South Carolina, Tim Scott, has been mainly noncommittal so far in terms of how he will vote, but has gone out of his way to praise Childs. Childs is quickly becoming a trendy pick because of her background. Biden has sworn to appoint a black woman and a number of names have cropped up. Childs did not attend a fancy Ivy League law school, and many have noted that the Supreme Court suffers from a lack of members from regular law schools and legal careers outside of the normal high-profile D.C., New York City pipeline-style legal careers that typically lead to the Supreme Court. Childs' legal record shows exactly why, though, representation alone isn't everything, and also why she's getting enthusiastic support from conservative Democrats and Republicans. Child spent a good chunk of her career working as a labor lawyer for corporations, which means fighting against workers' claims of mistreatment and bias. The American Prospect has reported that Bloomberg Law has 25 cases registered in which Childs participated during her time at that particular firm. 23 of those, 23 or 25, involve alleged employment discrimination or other employment-related civil rights violations. And again, she was representing the corporations alleged to have made these violations. A case known as Harris v. L. and L. Wings, where a plaintiff alleged near daily sexual assault by a workplace supervisor for years. Childs represented the company. A jury eventually sided with Harris, awarding compensatory and punitive damages and even attorney's fees. The American Prospect also noted, quote, as a judge, Childs also sports a track record of opposing workers in cases of alleged discrimination. As recently as this year, she dismissed a case where an employee alleged she was sexually harassed, subjected to a hostile work environment, and subsequently fired upon reporting it, end quote. This record would actually put Childs within the realm of the court's conservative majority, in particular Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Thomas, who have a record of siding against workers and for bosses. When criminal justice matters, Childs has a strong law and order record as a judge, and a record of her having her law and order rulings overturned. As the American Prospect further reports, in March 2016, an inmate named Lewis Duckett sued the South Carolina Department of Corrections dietitian, alleging that the food he was forced to eat while in prison was so lacking in nutrients and vitamins that the state's corrections facility where he was incarcerated was violating his Eighth Amendment right to avoid cruel and unusual punishment. Childs dismissed the case. Just one month later, the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals overruled Childs' decision. American Prospect also details that, quote, in 2017, inmate Benjamin Hayward brought a civil rights action against prison guard Audrey Price, alleging use of excessive force after Price pepper sprayed him in the face in the course of an argument that arose over a request Hayward made for some cleaning solvent to tidy his cell. As a result of the macing, Hayward reported that his eyes were swollen for three days. He suffered chest pain for five days and had persistent headache symptoms for a week. Judge Childs ruled against Hayward claiming he was unable to prove use of excessive force. But eight months later, the Fourth Circuit ruled that Judge Childs had wrongly rejected Hayward's excessive force claim based on an arbitrary quantity of injury and reversed her decision 
to grant the officer a summary judgment. These are just a couple troubling examples, but there are more. The point being, Child's record as a judge shows she tends to favor corporations over workers and prison guards over inmates, and to top it all off, worked at a law firm that boasts of its union-busting credentials. So in other words, a very conservative judicial record. No wonder conservative politicians are eager to boost her cause. While it has flown slightly under the radar, the U.S. made a big announcement related to the war in Yemen this week, that it was sending a destroyer and advanced fighter jets to the UAE after a string of recent drone and missile attacks by Yemen against the United Arab Emirates in response to their involvement in the massively destructive war there. And this comes after further revelations that U.S. air defenses were already actively taking part in shooting down drones and missiles coming for targets in the UAE. While this is presented as a quote-unquote defensive action and backing one of America's allies, it really can only be seen as strengthening the war against Yemen. Ansar Allah, often referred to as the Houthis, which control the most populous parts of Yemen, have limited firepower compared to the massive Saudi UAE arsenal, and one of their few, there being the Houthis, countermeasures is the ability they've developed to launch missiles and drones at Saudi and Emirati cities and oil infrastructure. The Saudi UAE invasion and war in Yemen has turned the country into what's widely known as the world's worst humanitarian crisis, with millions suffering from starvation and lack of medicine, as the Saudi UAE-led coalition deliberately bombs farms, ports, hospitals, and schools to increase humanitarian suffering. So by sending more weapons to defend the absolute monarchs of the Emirates, the U.S. is just strengthening their hand and making it easier for them to bomb and destroy with impunity. So clearly, the U.S. is just as complicit in the death and destruction in Yemen as its Gulf clients. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. 